Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Do you even know what you've commissioned to happen? Go in there and plead our case to the king and save your people. Verse 14, for if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Esther was hesitant. She was hesitant to stand up because her life was in danger. And this should resonate with your spirit right now with what is going on all around the world. People are not taking vaccines because they're scared of COVID. They're taking vaccines because they're afraid of losing their livelihood. The leader, one of the health commissioner of Ireland came out this week and said, you know what, these vaccine passports are working good. Even though they're not, even though the vaccines maybe not, are not stopping transmission and infection like we wanted to, it certainly is, they certainly is, these vaccine passports, these vaccine mandates where you can't buy, sell, trade, or travel without the, your vaccine card have certainly propelled people to get the vaccination. So why would you want them to get the vaccination if it doesn't stop transmission and doesn't stop infection, but yet you're rejoicing in the fact that they're mandated to get it? So you have to ask yourself, and I'll put this to you, is the vaccine for the vaccine passport or is, for the, or, or is the vaccine passport for the vaccine? Which one's the chicken and which one's the egg? I will tell you flat out. The vaccines were for the commission of the vaccine passport. And they will leak it out because demonic people can't keep their mouth shut. For if you remain silent at this time, if you comply and you don't say anything, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. He says to Esther, the queen and who knows but that you have come to your royal position. Listen, are you a royal priesthood in a holy nation? Yes. Have you come to your royal position for such a time as this? Yes. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather. The reason why he said this to her was because she was hesitant. Life is good and she could save herself. The king didn't even know she was a Jew. She could have saved herself. Go gather together all the Jews, Esther says, who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I, I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I will tell you this. How many of you know that the only threat to your life is God-ordained martyrdom, according to the word of God? No, Tom, this happened with my aunt. This happened with my uncle. This happened with, that doesn't matter. Let God be true and every man a liar. Every, even if an experience is real, if it contradicts the word of God, it's actually a lie that never should have happened. The only threat to your life is if God ordains that you lay it down just like Jesus did because you are in covenant with Jesus. Everything that he had, you have. 
The lifestyle that he was called to live, you are called to live. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must also walk as Jesus did. We have everything that he has. That's 1 John chapter 2, 3 through 6. We have everything. So how Jesus lived his life is how we live our lives. We aren't to be afraid of anything, ever. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. God will get you out of it. God will deliver you out of every single situation that you are in, right? Whether it's infirmity, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, whatever it is, if you want out, he will get you out. We have everything. Your provision comes from him unless you want it to come from you. If you want, if you want, that's how, if you're not paying your tithe, that's the system that you're in. Like Tom sure has been talking a lot about tithes. I know, I don't know why. We don't even take an offering here. So if you think I'm money grubbing, you've lost your mind. If you want to be a part of the world system where you have ships stacked up off the, the coast of L.A., Go right ahead. I'd rather tithe. It's up to you. You don't ever, you do not have, I have people come up to me and say, you know what? It's coming down to the line. My job, they're saying, you know what? You have to take the vaccine by this time. At that time, I'm going to lose my job. Do you realize? I'm telling you. Look at me. Look at me. I'm telling you it's the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm telling you that it's true. If you take, if you stop being your own provider, type A wonderland that you are, you know who you are. If you stop being your provider, watch and see what God does. Oh, but this and oh, but that. There's no jobs in this field. There's no job. It doesn't matter. You stand your ground, make them fire you and watch and see what God does for his children. Watch. You just simply place it into his hands. Place it into his hands and say, you know what, Lord? I want something double in comparison to what I have. I want something triple. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. You've got you've to try him now in this. Now, if you're not going to tithe, don't take the chance. I mean, don't take the vaccine. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you, don't be so bold. No matter what, don't take that death jab. Even if you're not tithing, don't take the death jab. It's better to live and not tithe. You, listen, you, a lot of us, we've got to become radical. A lot, a lot of you, I, I, I didn't mean to talk about tithing, but it's on my heart. I preach whatever comes to my mind. If you're worried, you, is he one of these guys that worries about offending people? No, whatever comes in, it comes in. That's it. People, I've never seen so many people at this church and I've never seen so many people walk out of this church in the middle of services. I see a lot of old ladies that get up. Oh my gosh, I'm out of here. I'm out. See, you gotta be bold. See, Christianity is not some, some sort of steeple and bell, stained glass, Jesus fish religion. It, it is not, it's about absolutely being radicalized. Well, you're, you're, you're out there. You're crazy. Jesus took mud and put it on a man's face. 
and you won't pay 10%? Oh, this is a pastor after our money. Really? I made more at the sheriff's office than I make here. You have to be radical enough to, how many of you actually, you consider it? Like, I'll use an example. You sell your house. You make a profit on it. It's gonna bother a lot of you. Get ready now. I remember having this discussion with a Christian friend of mine who called herself a prophet who never ended up prophesying to anybody. We sold our house, they sold our house, their house at the same time. We immediately, we made, I think, $40,000 on it. 40000 at the time in South Venice. This is back in, gosh, how long ago was that? 17, 18 years ago. Immediately, we wrote our tithe check. Right now. Without thinking twice about it. And we just talking about it in conversation. I wasn't even evangelizing. I wasn't trying to get her to do it. I was just saying that's what we did. And she bristled. We're not doing that. Explain to me why. I didn't do that. I didn't do that at the time. But explain to me why you would not. See, you have to be so radical in every area of your life that you move on the word of God now. You don't think about it. It's like, mm, man, that's a lot of money. Heresy, carnality. You move now. If you don't, you're gonna fall for things that you should not fall for because you're sitting there. Your mind is your master instead of your spirit. Your mind is your master instead of the Holy Spirit. You move now. Do you do that? Yeah, that's what you have to do. And now our time. Back there was Esther. Let's look at New Testament. Acts chapter 4, 18 through 22. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John brought before the Sanhedrin. And by the way, that was their leadership. Yes, you had the Roman Empire over them. But this was their government. Romans 13, Christians. Lock down your churches, taking vaccines, putting masks on and social distancing because of Romans chapter 13. All those exact same Christians send millions and millions of dollars over to the underground church in China, causing the underground church to violate their ruling authorities, thou hypocrites. It's not about tyrannical ruling authorities that you bow to. It's about a local sheriff's deputy who turns on the blue lights and yes, you pull over. It's not take a vaccine and lock down your business because a tyrant tells you to. Then why are you sending, why are you sending money to go buy Bibles for the Chinese underground church then? Hypocrites. Think about it. Do you know why people are this dumb? Do you know why? Because they're not sanctified. They've got themselves a very rudimentary faith that has no depth. They are not able to discern things. You need to make sure that you watch the second service or listen to the second service. They don't get what you get. You don't get what they get. Make sure you watch it because it's, it leans heavily to sanctification in the second service. But Peter and John answered and said to them, well, we're Romans 13 Christians. What would you have us do? Grab our ankles? No. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. 
When anything comes my way, I go to the word of God, including my own sin, including my own compromise. I don't sit there and try to justify things and weigh them out. What's right, what God says or what I say? What, what does the pot have to say to the potter? Tom, that's not, you know, this is a democratic system. No, it's not. You're not voting in Yahweh next year. Yahweh's good. Votes aren't required. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, verse 20. Now verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. And again, I say this to you. I say this, look at me now. I say this just as much to me as I say to you. If we had performed the way that we have called to perform, they'd be scared of us. Just like they were here. Why would they not lock up Peter and John? Why wouldn't they execute them now? All the power was theirs. These are the same people who nailed Jesus to the cross. Why didn't they do it again? Because these guys were out there healing the sick and giving provision to the poor. They were scared of them. And you've got to be sanctified enough to where you get to the place where the world is scared of you because of the power on the inside of you. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. See, everyone wants to love them into the kingdom. You will not find that verse in here. Jesus didn't preach it. Jesus said, shine, but you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill. A hill, that's not amongst the crowd. Everybody always wants that. Everybody always wants that house. Oh, that really nice one up there. Drive to, all, drive to all those cities that everybody wants to move to. You know, in North Carolina and Tennessee and Gatlinburg, everybody looks up. See the really nice house? It's way up there. But you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what we should be doing. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. That's what was going on here. That's why they wouldn't touch them. If we were going into hospitals like we should and healing cancer, then the world would be defending us. All we are to the world is a bunch of people telling them you can't do stuff. Which, by the way, is accurate. You, 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 if you don't want a hellfire and brimstone preacher, you walked into the wrong church, which some of you are already thinking right now. You just, it'd be, it's just not societally acceptable enough for you to get up right where you're at and walk out the back, otherwise you already would have gone. But that's the way they see us. That's not the way that they saw the church in the book of Acts. They looked at the church in the book of Acts as a, as a church of provision. I heard Jeff talking about it here in, in his open, talking about with the, bringing the paralytic man, the paraplegic man, knocking out the roof and dropping him down on a mattress so that Jesus could touch him. They were doing the same thing, trying to get people into Peter's shadow. 
That was Peter. What was Peter? How was he different than you? Name it. Come on, name it. How is he different than you? Yeah, you can say there's differences between you and Jesus himself. Not once you're grafted in. Then you have all of his stuff. No, you are not God, but you have all of his blessings. All of his gifts. Ephesians chapter one, verse three says that you do. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, period. Well, it hasn't worked for me yet. That's just because of unbelief. Tom, you preach about unbelief all the time because that's the only problem. You go to hell for unbelief and you don't get the miraculous because of unbelief. Well, I believe. Yeah, but have you ever prayed help my unbelief? Even though you believe, all of us in here, every last person because of our sin have been separated from God because of unbelief. When you sin, you know why you sin? Because of unbelief. You don't, you don't just sin because it's something that you want to do. It's because you don't believe God's enough. Something has to fill that void so you go off and sin. It's all unbelief. Everything for the believer is casting out unbelief. That's what your life should be about. But the first thing you have to do is admit it. I don't produce. Why? Because of unbelief. Uh, this is the only church outside of up in Tampa, Florida that will tell you that. Nobody around here will tell you that. They'll bring you in, have you hike your pants down and shine your rear end for you. I don't do that. I'm not a, a boot licker or a butt kisser. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Period. I don't even have it. Listen, boredom drives me that way. I can't do anything else. All that religious water down. I watched, you know what? I had to check. I don't, I've, I've stopped stalking churches a long time ago. <laughs> Comparing yourselves among yourselves. But there was a specific church that went after my pastor, Rodney Howard Brown, a long time ago, about a year and a half ago. About, about four days into the 15 days of the 21 months of flattening the curve that we're in now. But he attacked, and I want to see, how's this, I wonder how this church is, is, is doing. They could not be any more quintessential arc. They got a guy sitting up there on a chair with a podium, having a discussion with the crowd in a soft, monotone voice, not daring to offend a soul. That's not the way it is. That's not the way it's going to be here, ever. We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus here. If we did, and everybody, if everybody stood in the word of God, the world would defend the church. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. Verse 22. For the man was over 40 years old, of whom this miracle of healing had been performed. They healed the man at the temple beautiful. And now they were scared. Everybody for 40 years watched this man begging for alms at the temple beautiful. Waiting for the angel to come down and stir the water and try to get his family to rush him in and throw him into the pool so that he'd be the one healed that day. They knew it for 40 years. This was part of their culture. We don't have much anymore around here in Inglewood. 
All of it's gone now. It's all been bulldozed. But back in the day, we used to have a little piece of culture. Everybody remember Whiskey Corners? <laughs> you don't remember any of that. It's been bulldozed a long time ago. It's part of, it may not be a good part of our culture, but it was something everybody knew. Same thing here. Everybody knew. Everybody knew this guy. And then suddenly, these crazy Christians who are turning this world upside down, Acts 17, 6, come in there and ruin the culture. We're used, to, we're used to this guy coming and begging for alms. It's part of who we are, and they come in there and ruin it. They were scared of these people. And a certain, that's from Acts chapter three, verse two. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called beautiful, he was healed. Acts 4, 29 through 31. So of course, Peter and John refuse, and they, may, they have to let them go because they're scared of them. Now, Lord, look on their threats. This should sound eerily familiar to what's going on today. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Now, what should we pray? Just like this. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. How? By stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. We might speak the word, but where are the miracles? Most Christians never speak the word either. So if you speak the word, you're in the top 1% in and of yourself. But the, the, we got to take in the whole witness of the word. It's not just speaking the word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Well, that's just for the book of Acts. No, it's not. How many of you have culturally deceived yourself into believing that? I'm telling you right now, it's everyone in this room, including me. Why? Because we don't see a building shaken anymore. Why? Jesus, is Jesus change? Is the witness of the word wrong? Is the witness of Jesus who is the word wrong about Jesus? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord, I change not, but this is for the time of the book of Acts. No, it's just we've all become a bunch of Catholics. Yeah, if you thought I wouldn't say things, you're wrong. I say Republican, I say Democrat, Trump, Biden, I'll say anything. Be ready. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What was the manifestation? And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Is it boldness to say, you know what? The government is telling us to lock down, so we lock down, or do you speak the word of God uh, with boldness? You know, Tom, why do you always talk about this stuff? Because number one, it's already happened. Number two, it's happening. And number three, it's happening again. I love right now that all the vaccinated people think that they're safe. <laughs> that they're not gonna come for you. See, people, people don't read the news. My son was telling me this. I said this on the podcast last night that one of the people that he grapples with, he's an MMA guy. One of the guys he grapples with, good guy, feeds his family, out working every day, has absolutely no idea that there's COVID camps in Australia. Lives his life that way. 
So eventually, what happens is they start setting up COVID camps in your own hometown, and you never even knew that they were happening 18 months before that. What are these strange buildings? What are these portable things? It's happening in Canada right now. They've set up 2,000 what they call isolation centers. And that doesn't even rivet the souls of the modern church. Can't buy, sell, trade, or travel in Canada without your mark of the beast. I'm, I'm sorry, your vaccine passport. And they're setting up isolation centers. And it does nothing. Who's preaching about that today outside of Rodney Howard Brown, Arthur Pulaski, and Jonathan Shuttlesworth? Who? I challenge you. Listen, I don't want you to stalk churches, but I challenge you today. Go home and watch another sermon from another church. Pick one of these local weak need bent over churches and watch their sermon. Not preaching a word about it. There's, there's, listen, there's COVID camps. We're 21 months into 15 days to flatten the curve and there's marks of the beast and COVID camps. And nobody's preaching about it? For, are we Esther or are we not? Esther 4, 14 through 16. For such a time as this. You have to speak the word of God with boldness. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of the man. And his number is 666. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. And now you're seeing, so that means what? That you're doing a calculus equation? No, it means understand the number of the beast. You can't buy, sell, trade, or travel in the entire European Union without your QR code Vax Pass. And it doesn't rivet the modern church. How is that possible? You speak the word of God with boldness. You're not marking me. You're not dominating me. You're not controlling me. And you're not distancing me. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Your constraints, your constraints are blasphemy to the word of God. Therefore, I reject them. I speak the word of God with boldness. Now, what has to happen next is that we have to have Jesus in our name through our power. That's on the inside of us, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It is God who works in you, both to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. How? According to the power that works in us, Ephesians 3.20. What made them bold? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not being in Baptist sense, influenced by the Holy Spirit, Filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would you only want to be influenced? Because you want a measure of lordship. Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit is Lord. Father God is Lord. There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. They are Lord. Not you. Not me. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus baptized. Jesus' ministry is not you going to heaven. Whoops. Well, let me ask you this. Mark that right there. Let me ask you this. 
Why would Jesus' sole mission be you going to heaven where that's, where, when that's not going to be where you spend eternity? You're coming back here. You're coming right back here to a new heaven and a new earth. Most Christians are living for heaven. I love it. I've told you this a dozen times. I love it. I hope that Jesus puts all of the Christians that hated Inglewood, that live in Inglewood, that badmouth Inglewood, yet spend their entire life in Inglewood, right back in Inglewood in the new heaven and the new earth. Well, I hate this place. I want to move them. Why are you here? I like it. I'm good. But Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' ministry was not sending you to heaven. His ministry was filling you with the Holy Spirit. Baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, verse 33. Here it is. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained like a dove, by the way. Not a dove. Like a dove. I could go off on an hour on that. Like a dove. He could put like a pigeon. He could put like an eagle. He could put like a blackbird. Doesn't matter. Like a bird. So Jesus, at that time, get ready, was not filled with the Holy Spirit. But then the Holy Spirit descended upon him. You and I, joint heirs with Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Right? We now are joint heirs with us. Now, if we're joint heirs with Jesus, then the Spirit must descend on us like a bird. Whatever Jesus did, we do. Are you Christian or are you not? So Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now get ready. Most people in this room do not interact with the Holy Spirit the way that you should, if at all. And even when you do, you trump the Holy Spirit. Your feelings, feelings, your feelings trump his conviction. You know it's true. Be just like you would be at an AA meeting and just say, that is me. I am a carnaholic. I listen to my feelings. That's who I am. Admit it. I have. That's me. That makes you feel better. Does that make you feel better? You don't. Your feelings are not Jesus. They are biochemical reactions no different than gas. None. They tell me how they're different. Good. How? How are they different? How are they? They're biochemical reactions. Absolutely no different than gas and burping. And yet people obey them to their own demise. You speak to your feelings. 
You take every thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. Second Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. If your feelings are saying this is a lousy day, then you speak to them correctly. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. That's what you do. 2 Corinthians 6.2. I'm going to feel great today in Jesus' mighty name. Instead of going and reaching for your bipolar medication, go to the Holy Spirit instead. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, again, I will never understand Christians who read the Bible and then preach something different. If Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit, why are you not telling your church that? All the time, basically every Sunday. Why are you not telling them? Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from, from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I indeed, John the Baptist speaking, I indeed baptize you with water. And what, John the Baptist was the greatest what in Jesus' eyes? John the Baptist was the greatest prophet who ever lived in the eyes of Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. He was filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. And will be filled. And, shall, and by the way, those of you who love alcohol. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Funny how that's always there. Funny how it's there, isn't it? It's in the, same, it's in the eighth chapter of Leviticus also. The Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. And Christians, oh, you know, it's okay. okay. I'm not telling you you're going to hell because you have a drink. I'm just telling you you're ushering hell into your life. Wine is a mocker. Why would you ever usher in anything that mocks you? How many of you enjoy being mocked? Every time you belly up to the bar, you're being mocked. I don't care whether you get drunk or not. I know drunk is the line. Don't meet me at the door with Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I know the verses. I get it. Well, we like to have a glass of wine with our, you know, every time I have a, you know, a, a ribeye. Go ahead. But why would you sit there and have your ribeye with a mocker? Back in the day, there was no refrigeration. Distilling alcohol was basically the only way to keep anything fresh. And by the way, just so you know, you need to watch the Perry Stone study on this. Average alcohol contact back then was 1%. Today, it's 7 to 17%. So whenever you say you're having one, you're having a minimum of seven. Absolute fact. And, and don't worry, it wouldn't be that Budweiser would want to make you an addict. Just like the cigarette companies, they don't want to make anybody addicts, right? Or the pharmaceutical companies. Love of money is the root of all evil. But I'm going to trust them and pump in my veins the things that they give me? No, thank you. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, John the Baptist speaking. 
And by the way, what I was going to say about that, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 15, before I got sidetracked on alcohol, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he's the greatest prophet who ever lived. And Christians don't interact with the Holy Spirit. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. Remember what we're talking about. Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you? So Jesus said to them again, John 20, 21 and 22. Peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And entire denominations are based on never doing this. Entire denominations blow these verses off like they do pine needles in the wind. Nothing. Taking a hard right turn. Our fascination, it's really not that hard of a turn, but it appears to be. Our fascination with our own redemption must end. I'll say that again. I'm going to tell you because this is why the church is blind. And that's, this is why the church is not preaching what they should preach today. Because they're fascinated with their own redemption. Most of the Christians that I've ever run into my life, in, in my life, their testimony is what? Man, I used to be a horrible person. But now, I'm like, okay, you were that. 41 years ago. What's happened in the last 40 years of your life? Well, I go to work. I come home. I turn on some sort of screen. I'm mesmerized with that. For somewhere in the neighbor, according to my screen time, they get sent to me every week on this. You can have that done, by the way. I spend somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight hours a day Staring at a screen. So your testimony is, I used to be bad and then I got saved. And then for 40 years, I go to work, I come home, stare at a screen, eat my dinner, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home, stare at a screen, eat my dinner, go to, for 40 years. Somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. No salvations, no healings, don't even tithe. That's it. This is why the American church could not have grabbed their ankles faster. They don't even know any better. Look at me now. A lot of you think, well, they knew better and they should. No, I'm telling you, they're blind. They're so unsanctified, they can't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. They have no idea. See, what... I like to assign blame. I do. I have no problem with it because you know what? There's blame to be assigned. The blame though is not that they knew better, it's that they, they should have known better. But everybody is fascinated with their own redemption. If you wanna be fascinated by redemption, be fascinated with redeeming others. 
instead of for the rest of your life talking about how bad you used to be and winning nobody. How many of you ever have even heard my testimony? I, I, understand the, I understand the Bible verse by the power of our testimony, but that doesn't mean talking about our, endlessly our salvation from 40 years ago or from 10 years ago or from five years ago. Our testimony should be what we are currently doing. It's time to be fascinated by our own sanctification instead of our own redemption. I love this Bible verse, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good or make the tree bad. That's how I sum it up, but it reads this way. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Make your decision. We need to be fascinated by our own sanctification. Let me read you this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. These two verses. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody knows this next verse. Faithful is he that calleth you also will do it. But nobody ever applies. How do they use that verse? They use it when they're making a faith stand like for, like for healing or for provision. Faithful is he that calleth you also will do it. It's not even about that. You ever, know, you ever notice that there's certain verses that nobody actually knows the meaning of? For my thoughts, everybody knows Isaiah 55, 8, 9. People, people you know, have come up to me and said, not everybody knows the verses you say that everybody knows. Well, who cares? Whether you know them or not, who cares? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, everybody has that. And it's always preached, including by me, that there's certain things that are just elevated above us. But if you actually connect it with the verses that precede it, Isaiah 55, 6 and 55, 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. What's the verses about? Your thoughts and your ways when you conceive mercy are nowhere near his. That's what it's about. It's about, you know what? How you think of mercy and to our God who will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. It's about his abundance of mercy that we don't understand. Not just some uh, ambiguous God. We have no idea what he's doing. That's not what it's about. It's about we do not conceive the fathomless riches of his mercy. People don't get verses. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Is talking about what? Your sanctification. That's what it's talking about. And most Christians, their sanctification ended the day they got saved. It's all that they talk about to this day. I've brought correction to that since I've been a pastor because it drives me nuts. You're still talking about that? Well, I was, I was an alcoholic and I was this. Okay, great. So your testimony is, God saved me and you've lived the life 
of a nominal human being for the next four decades and you want to win people to that? It's not the witness of Jesus didn't come in in his three-year ministry and do that. Jesus didn't do that in his entire 33 years of existence on earth. He was performing. You can't perform unless you're sanctified because here's the thing, get ready, this is gonna be a harsh statement and I apply this to myself too. You cannot perform as you should because you're too dumb to know what to do. Here's the thing. I've said this for years. Why is it that logic is applied everywhere but inside the church? Why? Why is it that it's cast out? I'll use, I'll use uh, politics as an example. Most conservatives, of which probably everybody in this room is, most conservatives hate the welfare system, right? I know you're afraid to agree with me. I wouldn't agree with me either because you never know what's coming. But they hate the welfare system, but then don't give to their church. I wonder how it is that these lights come on. I wonder how it is that we pay $7,000 a month in rent. I wonder how that happens. Liberal. Might as well just go join the Democratic Party. That's how you live inside the church. You're living off my welfare. Living off, you don't pay. pay. You're welcome. See? <laughs> I, know, I know what some of you think. I ain't never come back this year. Fine. What? If you don't come back and you don't give, how would I notice? <laughs> I practice what I preach. Is hope in here? Are we, do we give, do we, are we in the top one or two every year in givers in the, in the church? We're number one. We give more to this church than anybody else. Is that because I'm, because we're loaded? Okay, I made $85,000 a year as a deputy, as a sergeant with the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office. Uh, how wealthy am I? Okay, Hope made less than that at her previous job, makes less than that now. I make less than that now, and we give more than anybody else. How does that work? But I wonder why it is that I got a notification in the mail one time, coming out of nowhere, which, hey, by the way, we've, we've knocked off $100,000 off your mortgage. I'm like, how? I'd made hope, I made her, because this is how OCD that I had the tendency to be back then. I'm like, you call and verify. And then you call and verify again. There's no reason, nothing. Just knock, just took it off. And those things happen to me over and over and over again. I have somebody come up to me and say, listen, you know, my dream was always to have a really nice truck, right? Oh, really nice Ford F-250, it's $73,000 when they're decked out, the diesels. So a friend of mine comes up to me and finds out that's what I, what I want. I'm retiring from the sheriff's office. He says, listen, I, I bought this truck for my son-in-law to work at the business, he's gone, he left. So, you know, I'm just, I'm looking to sell it. I said, okay, you know, I thought, yeah, I'm gonna go over there, it's gonna be, you know, $68,000, brand new, brand new. I'm talking brand new. 
The whole, I don't even know the terminologies of all the different things, but it's got all the stuff. So I go, I tell Hope, I said, well, you know, if it's the deal of a lifetime, you know, I'll take it. I didn't think twice about it. Went over and test drove it. I was just having fun. I didn't think it would ever, anything was going to happen. Comes in, he says, listen, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sell it to you for what I have in it. $36,000. off of what it was worth. $36,000. Guess what I had saved exactly? $36,000. Paid for it cash. That's how tithing works. You want to go in your system? You go on your system, but don't wake me up. Go do what you want to do. I'd rather be sanctified financially. Immediately, as soon as I get money, it goes. Somebody, somebody hands me money, 10% goes to the Lord. And that's it, that 10% is the likely minimum. Every time I talk to them, well, we gave more than 10%. I know. Who will sanctify us? We've got about 12, 13 minutes to go. Who will do this? All comes back to that faithful friend who sticks closer than a brother. The one who's most ignored. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation chapter three, verse 21. Where's the father? Where's the son? They're not here. They're not present in the room. Now that's blasphemy to some people. I get into a lot of trouble preaching that, but that's the Bible. The verse that I just told you, Revelation chapter three, verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne until he comes back again, of which the hour he doesn't even know. He's sitting down on the throne with his father. The Holy Spirit is in the room and he's the one who sanctifies you. Listen, you, you, oh, I wish I could preach better. You've got to shut everything off. You've got to get alone with God. You've got to get into a prayer closet and do in secret what God will expose in public. You've got to learn to do this. You've got to stop pining and grasping and going after all the rewards of the world. Cast them down and go after the Holy Spirit, period. Watch, watch and see what happens. And I'm gonna tell you, it will, look at me, it won't be easy. Everything will come your way. I've preached this a dozen times before too. You will find anything, your carnality. You gotta understand something out of Romans chapter eight, verse that I preach all the time. You ever look at the whole litany of Romans chapter eight, five through 11? Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. If your mind and the light of your life is your business, is your family, is your children, the light that is in you is darkness. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance to the Spirit, capitalized, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Not what Jesus desires. 
Not what the Father desires, what the Spirit desires. Yeah, but Tom, the three bear witness are all, all one. Yes, but you've got to be specific if you want specific prayers answered. If you want, if you want things to change, you have to operate in knowledge. With his mouth, the hypocrite destroys his neighbor. But the righteous are saved by knowledge. Proverbs 14, 7. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind, listen, controlled. Controlled. I'm not okay with being controlled. Then stop being a Christian. Renounce it. We were bought at a price. You can go over the verses with you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 21, bought with a price. Romans chapter 6, 21 and 22, love slave of God. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. If you're bipolar, if you're depressed, if you have mental health days, that's you. Your mind is hostile toward God. Understand that now. That's the truth. You may leave me because of that, but all you're doing is leaving with your lies. Hostile toward God. The sinful mind is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. We are at Romans 8, 9. Listen to where, listen to the transition. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies who lives in you. And do you see the transition? You go from... Having your mind set on the Holy Spirit to having Romans 8, 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. See the transition? It goes from having your mind set into the miraculous. It's called sanctification. Do you see it? Look at me over here. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? That is how it works. You start off with your mind, but you're going to have to shut the screens off. There's not a soul in this room. Now you might be the exception. Don't meet me at the door. There's not a soul in this room who's not a, who's not a dopamine addict. There's some of you might still have flip phones. You are the exception. And God bless you. I may go back with you. But you can't be a dopamine addict and be sanctified. I didn't say you're going to hell. See how sweet I am. Did I say you're going to hell? But you're going to have tears that God will have to wipe away from your eyes in Revelation 21, 4 and 5 fashion. Because when you go up there, you're going to regret. Because you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and lived an Americana mundane lifestyle in the doldrums of life.
It's not for you. Look at me. It's not for you. You know there's something, don't you? You know it. You know there's something else. But you can't have it if you do nothing. You're saved by grace, but the discovery of that grace comes through works. You're going to have to work. I would love just to get into James chapter 2, but I don't have time. Faith, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. James 2.17, James 2.24. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James 2.26. I'll show you my faith by what I do. James 2.18. There I go saying it anyway. What does the prophet, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but, not, but does not have works, can faith save him? James 2.14. Who will do this sanctification in our waning four minutes? Who will do it? John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. But you have to, Luke eleven thirteen, ask him. And you can't ask him while you're glued to a screen. And some of you, you're thinking, thank goodness, I'm not much of a screen person, but you're a relationship addict. You can't spend one second not talking to somebody, not being in the presence of another person. A lot of you think that's an attribute, but it's not. You're actually trying to fill voids. You need to go to God in the secret place. What matters more than him anyway? Nothing matters. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. And this is where I'll finish. And this is where we'll start the second service, roughly. It's not just sanctification is not an option. Do you know why most Christians fall away? Because they don't progress. I mean, you have to look at Titles in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14 is entitled, Warning Against Falling Away. The verses that I'm about to close with here, Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 6, are titled, The Peril of Not Progressing. And Christians think it's optional. The reason why you have Matthew chapter 24, 10 through 13, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. And will betray and hate each other. The very people who turned Rodney Howard Brown in or other ministers. Yeah. Turned them in. Believing, by the way, believing they were virtuous. Turning in a pastor for keeping his church open. Believing all the while that you are virtuous in doing so. Strapping lies on your face that, couldn't, that don't block boulders, let alone viruses. And believing that you are virtuous is because you are not progressing. What is, now listen, we all live in Florida. What do you not want to have happen to your lake or any body of water? Stagnation. Why don't we apply logic to the church? Are you? Am I? I can tell you, I've, I've, I've confessed this from this pulpit this year. I got saved in 1987. Most of the years that I've been a Christian, I've been 
stagnant. Didn't say I was going to hell. I said I've been stagnant. Caught up in the world. Caught up in the lordship of my own mind. No more. I'm not going to be stagnant. And then you got the maggots come in. You, got, you have the mosquitoes come in, the like Anthony Fauci's of the world, and lay their maggots in your stagnant pond. And that's exactly what's happened to the American church. They don't even know it because their water is so dead. They don't even know the mosquitoes landed in it. It's dumping its eggs and its maggots inside of its own water. They don't even know it. The reason why Matthew 24, 10 through 13, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow stagnant, will grow cold. But he who endures until the end will be saved. You cannot go that way if you are not progressing. Christians get picked off because they do not progress. They're warned in the Bible, closing right here. The peril of not progressing, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. I got saved back in. I used to be a drug addict. Okay, great. That should be your testimony for about two years. It's been your testimony for 47. People don't want what you have. That's why nobody's getting saved around you, including your own children. I've seen more Christians than not have kids go out of their home unsaved. And if that bothers you, stop being offended by me and be offended by you. you it's, it's your fault. It's not mine just because I'm telling you it's your fault. It doesn't, it doesn't switch blame. If it was me and I had a child leave my home unsaved, I would do Everything to save them, which begins with me confessing that it was me. They're seeing your brokenness will draw them to the cross. You pretending like they're a Christian because they went to Sunday school while they're living with their girlfriend right now, smoking dope, is not doing them any favors except sending them straight to hell on a steeper slope. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. You know what leaving means? Leaving. See how, I mean, see how, I mean, I'm genius level. Genius. Let us go on to perfection. Now, if you want to be perfected, well, nobody's called to be perfect. Heresy. Is it? If I say to you that you are called to be perfect, am I right or am I wrong? If, if, are, am I right and wrong or wrong by saying that God is disappointed if you're not perfect? Well, God himself, Jesus Christ, said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, be perfect, therefore, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. So if we want to move on to perfection, you have to leave the elementary principles behind. The most Christians who believe that they are actually elevated in their Christianity, are the most elementary of all. They're not eleva elevated, they're elementary. And they'll call, they'll call people elementary who are actually above them. Leave the 
elementary principle of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this, will, and this we will do if God permits. Here's where I'm finishing. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted... Now, does that sound, if you are a partaker, can you be a partaker of the Holy Spirit and not be saved? No. He is the covenant. He is the reward of the covenant. So this is talking about saved people. Remember the title of this section of scripture, Hebrews 6, 1 through 6, and we're done. The peril of not progressing. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to, be, to renew them to, to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Let me set you free for just a moment. This verse terrifies people as it used to terrify me. If you're thinking, well, I have fallen away, I have tasted and I have fallen away. He's not talking about to the place where you have fallen away. He's talking to about to the place where you can no longer hear. If you're interested in repentance, repentance, this verse does not apply to you. You, if this, if this was you, and this is how dangerous it is not to progress. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. You don't kick against the goads of God. For some of you, he's telling you step one. And step one is stop being a jerk. You know it's you. I'm looking at the eyes right now. I'm trying to pick out the jerks in the crowd. You know it's you. And you won't even take that step. Do you understand how, how, how much in peril you are? He's ordered your steps and you won't even take step one. He's told you to stop giving that which is holy under the dogs because you're an enabler. And you won't even take that step. You are in peril. You're in peril. But this verse, these, the verses 6, 4 through 6, 6 apply to those who no longer care. So if you have repented, it doesn't reply to you no matter how much you backslid. If you are interested in repentance, it doesn't. But understand the peril. Aaron, make your way. Worship team, make your way. Understand the peril of not progressing and the progress comes through who? I'm gonna make you answer out loud. The promise, the progress comes through who? The Holy Spirit of the living God. You have got to connect with him. Tom, what about the Bible? He wrote the Bible. He'll only confess to that which he's already heard. If you are of the Holy Spirit, you will spend copious amounts of time in this Bible. He will direct you there. Peril of not progressing. Stop being enamored with redemption and start being enamored with sanctification. Are you with me? Everybody ready to progress? Stand with me. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you, and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. 
If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.